This is the Oanda Podcast. You're listening to the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts across the world. And today we're joined by Craig Earlham in London. Good afternoon, Craig. How are you doing? Good afternoon. I'm good. How are you? Very good. The big story of the day, of course, in the UK was the Chancellor unveiling his second budget of the year. This is the budget, Craig, which had more leaks than a sinking ship. I suppose the question is, is UK PLC still afloat? Yeah, I mean, it feels like with every passing year, there's more leaks and less surprises, right? I mean, I feel like once upon a time, the budget would be quite a big market event because you really didn't know a lot of what was going to be announced. Whereas now, there's a big PR exercise where a little bit is leaked every day so it can continue to be on the front pages about what's going to be in the budget. And therefore, you get to the big day itself and you only learn a little bit that you didn't already know. So the market reaction is always extremely muted. Uh, and I feel like that's really what we've seen today. Um, and I think that one of the key things that came from this budget was that well, for one, it's what's become quite clear is that forecasts are changing quite aggressively uh, and, and, and quite quickly because of the time that we are going through. And I wouldn't be surprised if in six months we're looking at dramatically di- different forecasts again, 12 months dramatically different forecasts again. Probably why Rishi Sunak took some of that those improvement in the forecasts which effectively left them a little more headroom uh, to spend uh, and didn't use a lot of that because the the, the idea that well the these forecasts have been favorable this time but they could very much turn the other way given the amount of risks uh, to the economy so that was one of the things that really stood out but I think the key thing that really stood out from this, especially from a market's perspective, given how much we're talking about this, and it was the inflation side of things, the fact that the acknowledgement that inflation is going to average around 4% for the next 12 months, it's actually likely to peak above 5%, but then gradually make its way down again later on next year. And the reason why that's interesting is because we've been told for so long that it's going to be transitory. The problem is, how long is transitory? Is it three months? Is it three weeks? Is it uh, six months? Or is it more like 12 to 18 months, which is what it's now looking like? And does that really count as transitory? And is, is it because of that kind of loose definition why central banks are going to be raising interest rates. Um, And what does that mean ultimately for the government? Because it's going to impact their borrowing costs, as we saw in the budget today. It's going to impact the cost of living um, at a time when households and businesses are already going to be squeezed by higher inflation, by higher interest rates, by an energy crisis, by higher taxes with the national insurance going up, and so on and so on and so on. Um, So it it does have a a big impact outside of the markets and within the budget itself. So I think that was one of the really interesting takeaways because what it tells me is that people are going to be redefining now for the next 12 months just what transitory is. And, and at some point, we may have to accept that transitory, while not technically transitory, but that it could be a longer period than we expect. But the important thing, and I think this is the part that becomes more difficult to define, is it is going to fall out naturally. And that's the, that's where I think transitory still does kind of apply it may not be quite so temporary in nature, it may not be quite so short-lived, but as long as the perception is that within the forecast horizon or within the central bank's 
um, horizon uh, for when it sets interest rates. As long as they believe it's going to fall out naturally during that period, then they can continue to treat it mostly the same way. They're going to raise interest rates probably because of the risks. The longer it, more prolonged it becomes, the greater the risk becomes, and therefore they feel like they kind of need to preempt it and try and tweak some of the uh, levers that they have. And I think that's something that was mentioned in some of the after analysis as well, the levers that are, that are available. There's nothing the Bank of England can do about supply chain issues. There's, there just simply isn't. There's nothing the Bank of England can do about energy prices. Um, but there are some uh, levers that they do have that they can tweak, uh, which will impact domestic inflation pressures and bring that headline number down a little bit. Uh, and that, that that seems to be what the Bank of England and other central banks are going to do. But it was interesting just to see how prominent that was in the budget today. And it is very interesting what you say about the word transitory and how things can change so quickly. I mean, if you cast your mind back just a little over a year and a half, which was Rishi Sunak's first ever budget, uh, he presented that to a full House of Commons. And within two weeks or so, we were in lockdown and everything just fell apart very so very, very quickly. Having said all that, yes, it's very much about inflation. But if you do look at some of the key indicators that were in the main uh, highlighted earlier on last year, unemployment, they said it would be around about 12%. He said today is expected to be peaking at 5.2%. He says that the economy will be back to pre-COVID levels by 2022. Borrowing as a percentage of GDP is forecast to fall from 7.9% this year to 3.3% next year. So there is some good news in there if you consider what might have been. Having said that, I suppose the name of the game is, as you've pointed out a number of times on these podcasts, inflation and interest rates. Exactly. And the fact that they are going to achieve their goals of uh, in terms of debt coming down um, between three and five years and the deficit reducing over that time. What you'll also note from the OBR forecast is that growth is going to uh, gradually decline over that period. And I think in years four and five is going to be less than 2%. So that doesn't really say a lot in terms of what our our economic prospects are in the medium to longer term. So I think that's got to be a little bit of a concern. It's all well and good saying, well, actually, because of these tax increases, uh, which which we're seeing that we're going to be able to pay for the X, Y, and Z, which means that we can ultimately achieve our budget goals. But if it comes at the cost of economic growth and therefore we are we do become a, a, a lag behind the rest of the world uh, or especially behind the developed world then that that's something that we maybe will become more concerned about over time but again one thing i will say is it's really hard to forecast for 12 months from now doing so in this environment three four five years from now is a borderline impossible so i'm sure there's going to be some significant tweaks to those forecasts over that time and of course the chancellor will have his eye on 2023 2024 in terms of the next election that will be key as well timing everything in time because they'll be able to call an election whenever they like and i think what's really interesting what you've just said and it kind of comes back to the point i was making earlier with regards to growth growth is expected to peter out towards the end of the parliament but what the government is ultimately doing is allowing itself some flexibility going into those elections this was a budget and a, a spending review uh, with that next election in mind. So don't be surprised if in years four and five, we do see some pretty significant tax cuts. Try and give some juice to the economy, see that economy, uh, that, 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 that growth number bounce back strongly, see more money in people's pockets with an eye on that election. So I think that is the one offset to everything that I've just said. And as you said at the top of this, 
the headlines will probably come across quite well uh, tomorrow morning and as they have over the last few days to the uh, ordinary members of the electorate uh, who you know they'll the headlines regarding you know the rising of uh, public sector uh, wages national um, minimum wage and so on uh, we've already said that these leaks meant that the market's more or less expected what they heard today but how have they responded if any well they haven't really responded at all the the pub chains have done quite well i mean if you like 3p off a a price for a pint of beer then you're probably relatively happy if you're a cider drinker especially fruity ciders then you're probably quite happy as well if you've always been a fan of english sparkling wine uh, but have never quite been able to afford it then uh, you're probably a, a happy person today um so there's there's areas where in this budget which are outside of the public house that um that, that you're probably going to be really happy with well joking aside the the, the headlines are going to be around the higher living wage and uh, and the things that, which you've alluded to, but from a purely market perspective, we're talking about things that were leaked ahead of the announcement. So we are seeing pub chains do quite well today because there was a couple of surprises in there in terms of um, in terms of taxation and in terms of the uh, levy as well. Uh, being uh, the simplification of the taxation and the levy being uh, pushed back, um, which was going to come into effect. So those things have given uh, pub chains a bit of a bump. But as always on budget day these days, and I say these days, I'm talking maybe the last five years or so, maybe five, ten years, a lot of this is already uh, priced in. There's very few surprises on budget day itself. So you're looking at some of the, the few companies which do get a bit of a, a bump, one, two percent in reaction in response to them. But the broader markets, I feel like we rarely, if ever, see uh, moving the pound, for example, um, uh, with regards to budget day. The FTSE 250 index was up um, uh, maybe 0.1 percent after the budget. The FTSE 100 was maybe off. 0.2% in line with the rest of Europe uh, and the pound was relatively flat from before so that says everything about what the markets think. Okay let's move away from uh, the UK temporarily at least and talk about earnings in the United States. We had some yesterday last night and uh, what about the tech earnings? How have they gone down so far? So there's been really uh, common upsides and common downsides. We see for example that Facebook earlier in the week um, they, they 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 kept investors on board um they i think they, they, there's a, a lot of talk going into this about what the impact is going to be from the apple ios changes and the data privacy and whether that's going to have impacted um uh, uh advertising numbers we saw from uh snap last week that they were saying that this go it's had a it's a bigger impact than analysts were expecting and it's gonna have an impact in the final quarter of the year as well um, and we saw really that displayed in the facebook results also uh, and we also saw the impact as well of um, of the people who would typically advertise with uh, Facebook and Snap this time of year, and that is the the supply chain issues means that um, that that's affecting their their demand for advertising space because they don't know what their stock levels are going to be like, etc. And therefore, we are seeing that having an impact, negative impact on advertising as well. Uh, but with Facebook, we did um, the numbers were still pretty strong and. Um, with that company in particular, things like the metaverse is something that is just getting investors so excited, and I think that uh, that really comes through um, in in these on these occasions and in um, uh, when they're talking about the results as well. Microsoft and uh, Alphabet um, overnight again. The cloud was the massive takeaway here, continuing to see sub substantial uh, cloud growth again. The earnings and revenue numbers uh, were quite good as well. Some a company like Alphabet 
does is impacted a little bit by uh, by um, by the um, by the advertising side of things on the iOS, but uh, to a much lesser degree uh, than the others um, as well. So um, that didn't really weigh on the stock as much as as uh, what we've seen from the other social media companies. We've still got Apple to come, so that's going to be a big one. The chip shortage, um, uh, which uh, we saw reflected in the. Uh, in the results that we've seen already this week as well. So I'd say tech earnings, broadly speaking, have been very good and it's kind of aligned itself with earnings season as a whole, which is that we the analyst expectations have been far exceeded once again. Revenues surprised to the upside. Uh, bottom line surprised to the upside. All in all, this has given markets a bump just at a time when they needed them because going into earnings season, the fears were creeping in that the downside risks to the economy were becoming um, a weight that was too great to bear and it was starting to be, to drag. We were seeing a 5 to 10% correction in these markets. The Nasdaq was getting hit quite heavily. And it seems the earnings results have come at just the right time and we're now we're back seeing US stocks at record highs. Whether they can make those strides to the next level, I'm not too sure because those risks are still very apparent as we're already seeing. We're seeing uh, the US uh, Treasury curve steepen, for example. So we're seeing two-year yields uh, rising and we're seeing the 10-year the, the yields actually pulling off a little bit. So that's just markets are expecting faster rate hikes. And I think that's going to weigh on sentiment as well uh, going into the end of the year. But earnings season is treating investors quite is 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 rewarding investors quite well currently whether it can take that next step i'm not so sure because i think we're still going to see these jitters uh, over the course of the next couple of months okay before we look ahead to tomorrow just a quick word about the price of oil which is down a bit today yeah it is i mean this is a rally that was running on fumes um as it is uh it was it it, it was it was already losing momentum We'd seen a 40% rally over the course of the last couple of months. That's driven by the tightness that we are seeing in the oil market. The fact that OPEC Plus are reluctant to increase output any faster than they are currently planning to. The energy crisis, which is leading itself to higher, not just higher natural gas prices, but higher coal prices, higher uh, fuel prices as well. Um, An expected 500,000 barrels per day increase in demand as a result of that. That could potentially go higher if we do see a colder winter. As we saw um, uh, as we saw over the last week uh, when we saw the forecasts, I think it was on Monday, when we saw the forecasts for weather for the next couple of weeks um, was colder than was anticipated. Natural gas jumped 10% on the day and crude prices rose 1% or 2% in line. Uh, with that, we're going to see a lot more of those jitters um, with the weather being watched very closely and that's going to have an impact on energy markets unless OPEC plus or unless Russia jumps in on the gas side of things, which may require the, the approval of Nord Stream 2 pipeline um, for that to happen. Uh, so I think we're still thinking we're going to see the jumpiness in the market. So I think they're going to remain well supported, but Brent crude WTI off 2 2.5% today, API inventory data yesterday and today uh, from EIA both exceeded expectations. EIA the more closely followed report actually exceeded it even further, which may have contributed to the further downside that we're seeing today. It looks as though we're entering a bit of a corrective move in oil prices. Um, so we may see a little bit more downside over the coming days. But ultimately, I think this is a market that's going to remain well supported purely because there is so much tightness in the market right now. OK, and before we let you go, uh, the European Central Bank making an announcement tomorrow. What are you expecting? Very little, to be honest. The... The central bank is contending with a bit of an inflation issue of its own, but this is an inflation issue by the ECB's own standards, which is a central bank that has had 
greater problems with deflation more so than inflation or the risk of deflation rather than risk of inflation over the course of the last decade or so. Uh, they, I think inflation is a little bit over 3% right now, but that's expected to come down to a little over 1% next year so this is an, a major concern as far as they're concerned unlike someone like the bank of england where they're expecting inflation to peak at 5.2 percent currently as you alluded to earlier uh, the federal reserve as well which is most in high levels of inflation in the european central bank for quite a number of years now so it's not as big an issue as far as the ecb is concerned so the big question for the ecb is when the pandemic emergency purchase program expires at the end of March, what are they going to do? Are they going to replace it? Or are they not going to replace it? Uh, are we going to see more asset purchases or are they going to see that as a natural unwinding uh, of stimulus because of the higher inflation? I think we're going to see it replaced with more asset purchases and I think that seems to be the market view. But nothing's going to be announced tomorrow uh, because we are. this is not a... Uh, a meeting that is close enough to that March date, but also that we don't get our new economic forecast until December. So I expect that we're going to get an announcement of sorts then. So tomorrow may just be a case of the central bank saying we need to continue to monitor the inflationary pressures, the monitor the environment in terms of the energy crisis, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, but with an eye ultimately on December. Craig, thanks very much for joining us today. We'll speak to you again soon. Thank you. This is the Oanda Podcast.